Hello again and welcome to this week's Football Wide Annual podcast. Um, I'm Michael Statham and I'm here with editor Michael Bell, plus James and of course Chaka. So this week we'll be discussing Ajax's semi-final match against Lyon, which is to come, and lots about the Eredivisie, um, as well as answering your questions. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes and YouTube, so make sure to give us a like and subscribe where you can. Enjoy. There's only one place we can start then. So, of course, Schalke could be Ajax in the night, but Ajax is two away goals we'll have to send them through. Um, who loved that? <laughs> who wants to start? I will. Uh, it, it was, I think, the start of the game, they started very poorly. Um, this, they, they settled after the first 10-15 uh, minutes. And you went into half-time hoping that will be one of those situations where they come out in the second half a much better team, as they usually do in the air division. But um, they didn't. And, you know, when, when they concede two goals and lose a man, you're doubting and you, you, say, you say it's over against a Bundesliga team. And then uh, Fairhaver, who's been the most improved um, Ajax player this season and who was the best player on the night he I think he does well to get the goal and and Tete who also deserves you know some credit because when he came on he was he was mostly on that right flank alone uh, with you know Ziek so, sometimes moving out there and he he was he made some good tackles he was really bursting forward and it's you, you. When you watch that game, you thought you thought it's Ajax going to be very stupid to let him leave, and um, but he he puts that cross in there, and Ajax managed to get the goal. And Yunus, I criticised his sort of his cut in and pass and shoot routine, and then he uses that to score that goal. So uh, it was a brilliant win on the night. Uh, well, they won an aggregate, so. It was it was a brilliant. Uh, um, it wasn't as as fashionable as, as the first leg, but to get through under those circumstances, it just shows the grit of the team. It was like uh, the first Champions League qualifier against PAOK from Greece, and when they when when the one nil down and Davy Klassen scores two late goals to to put them through. To the um, the final qualif- uh, Champions League qualifying phase, and you said, "Oh, there's something there." But uh, the fight of the team was brilliant to see, and uh, I'm I'm still amazed at how the how they've got through. Yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Amin Yunus. Um, what you said then about the cutting thing. Um, when 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 it was three one and he took the ball in the left wing, I was like, take it on the outside, put a ball in, or go to the corner flag. But what does he do? I was rolling my eyes as he cut in yet again. But I mean, I I, I feel like I'm not prepared to criticise Eunice ever again after that because he did cut inside and he scored a goal. And he's getting better and better at that technique. You can see that he's developing all the time with the games, especially this season. Um, he hasn't maybe produced enough goals as he wanted to. Uh, nor assists because he's not known for his, his three balls he's pretty much a very direct player doesn't provide much service to the players but he wants to go and do it himself um, but he does cause trouble and I keep seeing stats saying that he's playing really well um, apparently he's in the top three rated players still left in the Europa League so I'm not sure if the stats lie you know um, he's, he's he's become a very good player and last night was fantastic um, the determination of all the players was, was great um, especially defenders. I thought it was a bit, um, a bit. What's the word? Well, it was. It wasn't very pragmatic of P- Peter Bosch um, with the way he set up his team. He should have had a more defensive mindset, especially in the the start of the second half. It was nil nil, and they were lucky to get there at nil nil. I thought Schalke, if they played better, there would have been a few goals then, and um, Schalke were the team to come out better in the second half. And they scored the goals that he did. It was then, though, I thought, why, why didn't he come out with a, and set the team up a bit more with a bit more rigidity? Because 
They wanted to go for that goal to kill off the game. And I think it was purely because it's the Ajax way. And I think they wouldn't have gone for that goal if not. I think it would have been a bit more sensible about it. But just because of the mentality of the, of, of the, of the club, they, they're expected to go for that goal. And they were caught out uh, defensively. They were, they were very open. And it wasn't until they were 3-0 down and with 10 men that they really started to, to solidify the defence and um, actually hold a bit of a, um, a wall against Schalke because they were trying to get that fourth goal, which would have really have killed the game off. Uh, but no, it, it worked and Ajax pinched the goal, which is very lucky. But I think they deserved it of the two legs. I, uh, I agree. I think they definitely deserved it over the two legs. Um, going back quickly to what uh, Shaka just said about the game against Falk, um, I was at the home leg of that match. Um, Ajax went 1 0 down within half an hour, and you wouldn't have thought. Um, they would go on to uh, not only qualify for the uh, for the Europa League, top their group, and go on to reach the semi-finals. I think it's a fantastic achievement. I think it's uh, fantastic for Dutch football and fully deserved over two legs. And um, I must say, when it was uh, when it was three 0 I I didn't think uh, I couldn't see where a goal was coming from. But things can change very very quickly. And um, I tweeted after the match as well, a penny for Flat de Boer's thoughts because. Years of uh, European underachievement in not just the Champions League, but also the Europa League. I think uh, not too long ago, they got eliminated by Stoya Bucharest, having won the first leg and uh, drew in, uh, lost in Bucharest and lost on penalties. Uh, his successor, the following season, has managed to guide them to their first European semi-final since 1997. Uh, it's a fantastic boost for Dutch football and a well-timed boost as well. And... Um, they entertain Lyon in the first leg of the semi-final. The second leg is in France, which uh, will be very interesting. And uh, it's just uh, credit to Ajax Amsterdam because uh, I've been through uh, to many European games in all my years here against uh, Werder Bremen and Espanyol and um, Olympique Marseille and uh, Inter Milan and uh, you would never have thought that when you watch those teams through the years that this club will eventually reach a European semi-final. So as, a, as an Englishman living in Amsterdam for many a year, it's, uh, I'm delighted for the club. Yeah, you know, watching it yesterday, you know, it's right at the match report and already had it written that, you know, it's going to be a defeat and had it in our typical night for, for Dutch football in Europe and go down and, and just, I went absolutely nothing that. You know, have a goal, you know, he actually took the cross in, it was actually a really bad first touch that he took because it put it right so far in front of him, but he somehow recovered from that, lashed into the net, and then, you know, on from there, Eunice's goal was excellent, and, you know, you just didn't see it coming throughout this whole game because he had been so poor, you know, going forward, he went creating chances, he went really doing much of trouble, Schalke, I think. You know, maybe they thought it was going to be a bit like the first leg and they were going to be able to swarm the defence, but... You know, Schalke made changes at the wing-backs, which were needed, and they seemed to, especially Clivert was nullified throughout the whole game. Like he, he came off, and then Traore tried to go out to the right, but you know, they provided absolutely no cover for Veltman, who struggled throughout the game, and ultimately got sent off, and when he got his red card, I thought that was it. You know, Schalke are going to win this. I actually thought that it was written in the stars that Huntelaar would score the winning goal to, be, to knock. You know, I axe out, but you know, this doesn't work that way, and you know, we've got a semi final to look forward to. And actually, I think that I axe have a decent chance of making the final. And you know, with my night having injury worries, we don't have injury worries of Celta Vigo there, and um, get through to the final, then you have to say that I actually be favourites for that one. I want yeah, to go um, back to yeah. what James said about Peter Bosch, because um, I, think, I think we should really build up just how good a job he's done. Um, I was talking to him on Twitter actually earlier and they didn't want to play up his, his season and I thought it was his season's been excellent. He's taken that team from Frank de Boer, as James said, and they had such poor achievements in Europe, but Bosch has really turned that around and the style of play has probably helped in that. Um, it's a lot more free-flowing and the addition of Hakim Ziyech as well has really made a difference. He didn't have the best game last night and that's why, Michael, I think the likes of Traoré and Klaubert were nullified because the balls weren't play through to them well enough um, and there wasn't enough service for the forwards. Um, and yeah, no, uh, Bosch. So 
I, th- I think the start of the season, they their their draws with the likes of Verona, um, they they were the results that have cost them this season in terms of the league. But ultimately, they dropped down from the Champions League qualifiers into the Europa League. wasn't so bad after all, and it's it's served the club well, and they've had a really good run. And I think it will continue next season because I can't see too many levers from that squad. There are a couple, Klaassen for one, Feltman for another. Um, but I think they can only improve that, and I think it'll get stronger. The likes of Neresh, Klaver becoming a lot more prominent. Yeah, um, to go back on Mike's point about Yunus, I think he's been rated so highly because against Leghe and the first away leg, he makes 17 out of 20 dribbles in that game, which was astonishing. I think, and he had, he's got way more dribbles than anybody else. And um, with Boss, I think he's sort of he's sort of come in and he's sort of saved uh, the the sort of team that um, Over Mars was trying to make. That he sort of cleared uh, out all these uh, midfielders, and you know he starts he started bringing the young players through. I think on the Twitter page uh, last week we had uh, I think it was Zefrix the the ninth young player to make his debut this season, which, when you consider that Clivert, Delit, and um, Donny van der, Ve- van der Beek have played so much this season, is an amazing accomplishment. And if anything that should be taken out of this uh, Europa League campaign, I would have even said this on the pod if Ajax lost, is I think playing the kids is very important going forward because the kids that are coming through are good enough um, if they're coached in the proper way, if they're sort of uh, developed in the proper way, then they're good enough to, to sort of play and adjust to this level. Uh, the match against Olympic Lyon, uh, the first leg at home, and the away leg away, I, I always feel very uncomfortable with that. But um, Lyon also have, uh, like Schalke, they haven't had a good season. They're trying to they're trying to use the Europa League to sort of uh, make something out of the season. So uh, they'll want it as much as Ajax. So um, it's going to be an interesting tie. And doing well on that home leg and doing better than we have during the, the, this campaign in the away leg is going to be very important, very, very important. And, you know, it would have been really heartbreaking to see Ajax go out because it would have been the same situation that final in a few years where, a few years ago where they beat uh, Sevilla in the group stage and then they final got knocked out of Roma in the next stage and Sevilla went on to win the thing and Ajax would have beaten uh Soto Vigo and Soto Vigo would have gone ended up going further than Ajax at the end. So makes me really glad that Ajax ended up going through. I think to, to go back to Peter Voss, you also have to remember this is a man that not so long ago uh, won the first division title with Heracles Almelo. His appointment was met with um, scepticism in Amsterdam because he's played over 150 games for Feyenoord and of course with the City rivalry they wasn't too uh, too impressed with his appointment but Overmars and, um, and Edwin van der Sar were adamant that it was going to be a success. Uh, if you look back at um, his career he's managed to fast up Heracles, uh, Vitesse also went to Israel with Maccabi Tel Aviv so a, no, a noticeable win and to get Ajax to uh, the semi-finals has done his career of a world of good because um, it was unexpected. It, as I say, from my point of view, from a European uh, perspective, I certainly didn't think that they would get as far as they did. Uh, Shaka recently mentioned the uh, the, the young debutant, Dale um, Facio Seifalk, who uh, debuted against Tudor Vane last Sunday. Um, I was at that match, and uh, one of the most impressive things about him as a 19-year-old boy was his uh, tactical awareness in terms of judging positions, in terms of going forward, being aware of his uh, of his duties and of the players around him. And 
you could see that as soon as he came on, he, he, he took to it like a duck to water. So I think Seyfalk is definitely a name which will um, will only grow. It's, it's a great debut for him to come in and uh, came on as a sub and uh, Ajax ended up winning, uh, winning 5-1. And uh, the first 10 minutes going 1-0 down in the crowd on their back as well, which was... Uh, that was gaining more and more momentum until uh, Matthias de Ligt uh, surged forward with a um, with a probing run and a shot from distance, which led to the corner for Fierhaver's goal, and then the floodgates kind of opened. But I think the the convincing win against Hedon Vane set them up to uh, to go to uh, Schalke to uh, to try to get through, and it's been a fantastic week for Ajax. I think with all the um, with all the praise and all the attention, so rightly on Feyenoord. Uh, especially with final having been so many, many years without a title. Ajax haven't done their chances of European success or domestic success any harm whatsoever with having a, a fantastic week. Yeah, on Peter Bosch as well, it's just worth mentioning the fact that, you know, he's, he's molded this team, um, you know, with two 17-year-olds starting in a Europa League quarter-final in Germany. You know, it's, it's quite incredible how young this team is and how far they've gotten. You know, average age of 22 and so forth. Where he's totally taken the Dutch, you know, tradition of bringing young players and just the confidence that these young players have when they're coming into the side, Cliver and Delict. And um, it's testament to what Peter Bosch is doing because he saw Delict for Netherlands. Obviously, went over. He had Danny Blind coaching for a little while and he had a very shaky performance against Bulgaria, as we all know, but. You know, when you see him in the Ajax side, he's so confident, he's so clever on the ball, he's striding forward, he's making his runs like a centre forward. You know, it's testament to what Bosch is doing with these youngsters and long may it continue because ones that are coming through the Ajax academy at the moment could be the future of the Dutch national team. Uh, the weird thing about Bosch is uh, I, I, after the win, the 5-1 win against uh, NEC, um, and always they, they sort of had uh, Bertrand Traore for a post-match uh, press conference and they they basically asked him is Boss like a, fa- a father figure to you and since they worked together at Vitesse and Boss brought him to Ajax and he looked at the camera and he was kind of befuddled and he was like no, no, not, no, not a father figure he's, he's a coach our, our relationship has always been strictly professional and that was one of the things that he was criticised about at the end of the season. Some sources from the dressing room said he's he's not that personable. He's he he, he doesn't have um, he doesn't put an arm around the shoulders much. But I think sort of being able to have this relationship with the players on the training pitch and sort of be a coach and a mentor to them and sort of just really help them improve their games. Has, has helped a lot of young players and um, more than sort of trying to, uh, you know, put an arm, arm around their shoulder, con- constantly nurture them, uh, constantly feed their egos. He's made them want to work for him. And, you know, one of the last things he did at Vitesse was give Mitchell van Bergen his debut and he was only 16. And he's continued, so, so bringing through young players at Ajax and... Uh, you know, even if they lose Klaassen, you know, there's three players minimum awaiting to take up that spot, so they wouldn't have to sign another midfielder. Uh, So what he's done in regards to the youngsters has been phenomenal, but the playing style, this is is Cruyff's playing style, this is the way Cruyff would have wanted Ajax to play, this is the Dutch style that that made the the country so famous in the in the footballing scene, and um, to play that way and get so far and beat teams like Celta Vigo and and um, and Schalke at home so convincingly and just be it's kind of romantic and in football these days where it's all money driven and things like that you don't you don't get much romance and having Ajax, the team that that have been romanticised so much in their history, get through so far doing it their way, the way that made it the famous, is, 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 I think, 
It's brilliant. Shaka touched on who Ajax have beat in their European run. I just wanted to add Panathinaikos at the home game against Panathinaikos because I attended that match and it was a really, really young, um, exuberant Ajax side up against an experienced Panathinaikos side with the likes of Samba, Ivanov and goalkeeper Luke Steele and they absolutely took him to town. From minute one to minute 90, you wouldn't have thought that the average age of this side is taking such a seasoned European name to school. And it, it was one of my most enjoyable European games, especially the most enjoyable so far this season. And uh, I just wanted to add the, uh, add to Shaka's point when he stated who they beat. But um, I wanted to add Panathinaikos to that because I also thought the home win against Panathinaikos was, uh, was also extremely impressive given the starting lineup and especially the way they went about their business. Um, but to add to that point, James, um, on the flip side of the coin, you saw an Ajax uh, against Celta Vigo in the group stages. They went 3-0 up um, in the home match, but then all of a sudden towards the end of the game, a bit of complacency sort of came in. And then you start to see the inexperienced, immature Ajax team that they are. they also are. Um, and they gave away two late goals. And they didn't set out the match as professionally as they were, perhaps thought they would. Um, maybe that's something to look at, look into ahead of the Lyon game. That that sort of thing doesn't happen again. But then also, against Schalke, they kept the intensity up for the whole 90 minutes. And they could have scored more goals. Um, so this is, again, a team that's developed a lot. But I wonder, it's, you know, they're still a young team. They're still going to have inconsistencies. I wonder if we'll see that side creep in again. Uh, I think the thing with the Soto Vigo match was he the up seventy uh, the up for seventy minutes and the three no up and then he brings Doberg and and Ziyech and that greatly messes with the structures especially when putting pressure on the ball. So because Ajax couldn't put that persistent pressure on the ball, Soto Vigo played through and with the defense defensive line so high when they play through. Godetti gets behind, gets him behind, and scores, and they score again. I, w- I would be more worried with sort of Ajax away because now if um, Ajax have played without Ziyech and have played without Doberg, the squad's more better rounded. Um, Triori had a rough night last night, but in the Eredivisie has done very well since. That, since that poor performance against Excelsior. So I would be more worried with how convincing they can be away from home, especially against Lyon, who, who battered AZ in, in the last 32. And although AZ are, are a much lesser team than Ajax, you, you, you hope that they can, they, they can really sort of um, contain the game away if they win win that first home leg very convincingly because um, if they can't they're gonna they've got one more away game left if they want to really get far in this Europa League and that away game could be the most crucial of three possible games so uh, I would be more worried with the performances away because they've, they've got yet to win away in the Europa League this season. So what do you three make of Leon as um an opponent for Ajax? Are they are they gonna are they gonna put out a strong a strong performance like they did against RZ? They have players just Lacazette, Memphis, Bob Werner. Is this too much tacking uh, Mem- talent for Ajax to handle? Uh, Memphis isn't gonna play because he's cup tied. Cup tied, yeah. Lacazette yeah, because La- Lacazette is the most important all through the Europa League campaign, they haven't faced a striker like Lacazette. He's very quick behind the lines, and it's it's so important that situationally they they are well drilled because Azed in that home game they had many chances and they couldn't put away the chances and they dominated. But the, in in the home leg in the first half, they have two they have, they concede two chances where the defending is appalling and they don't score, and then. The tie is now in Leon's grasp, and they they give themselves a mountain to climb, conceding two away goals. So, Ajax can dominate Leon easily, 
but if if uh, the if uh, Lacazette gets a chance, they, the, then they can concede concede an uh, away goal, and especially when you look at the first leg without uh, Veltman, and I think that there's one other suspension. Yeah, Fee Haver. Yeah, Fee Haver. Uh, so. You're gonna to have to hope Tete is fit. You're gonna to have to hope Sincraven's fit. You're gonna to have to hope uh, Boz and Riedervold have, have patched up uh, whatever is going on between them. And then they've got also a very good midfield. They've got Taliso and Gonalon. is a very is a very weird defensive midfield because he's astute tactically, but on the ball he's not as great as other defensive midfielders, so he would be a target for sort of Ziyech to sort of press. And um, he, he, and the, what they showed against AZ is they aren't the greatest team in moving the ball out of the back. So if Ajax can really press them and hound them, they can, re, they, can, they can make something out of that first leg. But in terms of allowing um, Leon those chances, they have to defend much better than they have in the Europa League. And in this away leg against Schalke, it was very weird to see that Ajax didn't counter-press. When they lost the ball, they sort of just dropped back. And that allowed Schalke to play. And when they did go on and press Schalke when they're trying to move the ball out of the back, uh, Schalke would pass back to Farman and he would sort of clear the ball. And that would move Schalke higher up and to then push on to then push on against Ajax so they have to manage the they have to manage games better and um, it, 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 Lyon would be one of those teams where you'd say ah the typical Dutch the typical Dutch team they play better but they fail to grasp the fundamentals of defending and scoring your chances so it's a very difficult game to 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 predict but I see Ajax winning the home leg but the away leg uh, as I said against Schalke is a different beast and they have to sort of over the two legs manage the games better and defend much better than they have especially in marking Lacazette and Toliso and dealing with how they lose the ball much better than they have in this in the whole Europa League campaign you see, this is where I think uh, Ajax may, may prefer having the home leg first, similar to the Schalke match, because they don't have to go away from home first and try and defend um, and attempt to keep it level for the home leg. Um, they can go for the, can go for the win in the home match, and Lyon won't, won't be this, the type of side to sit back and contain Ajax. There are very few teams that could do that, because I think that the side have got plenty of attacking midfielders to try and break through um, a resolute defence. You see that week in, week out in the Eredivisie. Um, but yeah, I, I think the home match will suit Ajax having that first. And I think they can really force the issue similar to the, the Schalke match. Um, I agree with you there, Schalke. It will That's definitely be the, the big... Sorry. I was going to say, um, since Memphis, Memphis went there, I've actually watched Leon quite a lot since January. And it's clear that they're very good going forward. Um, but they definitely give up chances at the back. And if Ajax play like they did in the first leg against Schalke, get in their face, hand them, make the mistakes, then you know, the first leg could be won. And then you're looking at another Schalke situation where they need to take their chances and head into that second leg with at least one or two goals um, cushion. Because you know this Leon side, they love to pour forward. I mean, they win somewhere against 5-0. 3 0, 4 0. Um, but then they, they got an odd one like Lorient. Last time out, they lose 4 1 at home. And that's because Lorient took their chances. And every single time we on a person forward, try to get back into the game, they'd hit them on the counter. And I think that's very important that Ajax plays with pace in the second leg, tries to isolate the space that we on are going to leave because the fullbacks are very attacking. Your wingers are very attacking, and very attacking midfield as well. So there's got to be space for Ajax. It's all about using it and taking our chances, which he didn't do in the first leg against Schalke, and he definitely need to do in France. And then um, Shaq brought the point that AZ, you know, got battered by them, but AZ played well at times at home against them. They just couldn't take their chances. Um, 
and this really important Ajax do. But interestingly, Lacazette, um, today there's actually a report that he's got a hamstring injury. So maybe he might miss you know, at least the first leg. And he's such a talent for them. He's such an important player when you know, Memphis is in the side because he's cup-tied. Lacazette's the main man. He scores so many goals. I think this summer he's going to make his big move to one of the best teams in Europe. We'll see him scoring goals in the Champions League next year. Um, and him being missing would be a huge, huge bonus for that. I think it would definitely be their biggest test in uh, in, in Europe so far this season. I think um, two Leon players I wanted to mention that I think are also key to Leon is uh, midfielder Matthew M- Valbuena and uh, Christophe Chalet, the defender. They're, extreme, they're both extremely consistent. And um, I think if Ajax harbour ambitions to reach the final, they need to win the game in Amsterdam. Um, going away in the second leg um, with the crowd at Lyon and having home advantage, knowing exactly what needs to be done, um, I think that... Um, the Ajax would definitely have to win the home leg. Be very interesting how to see if Lacazette does play. How Matthias De Ligt will cope with him, because he he he's young, tender age. He's going to be facing one of the most informed strikers in Europe, and uh, I'm just intrigued as to how De Ligt will uh, will try to cope with that. I think it's um it's going to be very interesting in the run up uh, to see what will happen results wise for both teams. And uh, as as um, as Mike just said, you know, Ajax do need to take their chances, and uh, it's a it's a good tie, and uh, I think they'll be uh, I think they'll be extremely motivated for it. I think it will be a welcome distraction from the league, considering we're closing into the final rounds of the season. So um, it'll be a very a very interesting time ahead. I was going to say, um, about it, it's so important for Dutch football at the moment with the um, coefficient taking a barons this year that Ajax have actually got it back up and they haven't saved it for the you know next season they're going to miss out on all my Champions League qualification but you know, a good end to this year and then a good start to next year and then you know, everyone's will get back it's all my Champions League places which is crucial going forward yeah I agree Ajax um, needs to build back up that coefficient but I would argue they're so badly damaged in recent years actually in the Champions League um I want to make a point about what James put up on the Football Atlantic website today. Um, the piece about Bosch saying how the energy from the win last night uh, on aggregate would give them the energy for the PSV game on Sunday. But will it? Will it really? Because I'd be fatigued. The the players have had such an intense season. And 120 minutes against Schalke. And now they have to play PSV. I think uh, Michael, he was speaking in a mental sense. I think um, I think obviously you're uh, translating exactly what he said, but my uh, my interpretation of it is that he was speaking in a in a mental sense. That they've overcome a difficult two-legged tie against a very very good uh, Bundesliga side, a, a big name, and that should give them uh, energy to go to he- to Eindhoven and attempt to win there, having uh, having won over two legs against uh, against Schalke. I think. Um, the game on Sunday against PSV is is key. I think this is going to be a weekend where um, I think after the close of play on Sunday, we may have a very good idea as to where the title is going. And um, I think his comments were more uh, meant in a in a in a mental sense. Yeah, um, this weekend PSV will be without Villain. They may be without Willems. He's a huge question mark. They'll be without Hendricks. And they've just come off a 1-1 draw against um, Ado. They have um, nine draws this season and two losses. Uh, Ajax have six draws and two losses. And uh, Final have four draws and, and three losses. So you can see where PSV have messed up. Um not having those match winners, not, and it's it's a facet of their game that they had the season before, where they sort of drew against the teams below tenth, and um, they didn't really uh, take the game to them, and they ended up 
oh, they ended up conceding a goal, then realize, oh, we need to play here, then winning, then then win, um, scoring a goal, or in Ado's case, they ended up um, scoring a goal, then taking them really lightly, and then then conceding in the last few minutes, and they really need to win this game. Koku said that that they need to win this game because they've lost twice against Feyenoord and they've uh, drawn against Ajax. So win, getting a important win against the bigger team would do a lot for their confidence. And um, I think it's just about with Ajax. I think you know Veltman will be quite fresh. Shana will be quite fresh. Doberg. Uh, he played the he played quite a lot last night, but he didn't uh, he didn't play as much as sort of uh, Bertrand Traore, the good Neresh, um, who could start and who's been on a good run of form in the Eredivisie, three goals in his first three starts. So if uh, Boss can rotate his team slightly and they can play at a sort of intensity that that's much higher than the intensity that PSV have played at. And PSV, the sort of a malaise going on, on there because, um, you know, do, does he, do, who does Koku go for with the center forward role? Uh, Locadia, Guillaume, Lamas, uh, Pereiro, and uh, the other two players in the front three who also goes there, and does he start Ramsala? And he's got Koku's got a lot of uh, decisions to make to try and at least try and salvage some some sort of some source of pride in the season. And uh, with uh, with the coefficient coefficient that uh, Mike and had mentioned, Ajax uh, at the ninth highest coefficient. But you also have to remember that Ajax. Want fifty percent of the Dutch uh, coefficient points this season, so there's a need for PSV, who will probably be in the Europa League. Uh, you know, I think we'll have one of the most uh, tightly contested Europa League playoffs of recent years. So there's a need for the teams that do make the Europa League, and if final do manage to make. Feyenoord and Ajax do manage make, to make it into the Champions League. There's a need for them to do well to really um, try and maintain the place for 2018-2019 and, and, and so on and try and improve their coefficient place because they're really, in terms of the actual coefficient table, they're, they're far behind Turkey and they need to get close to them. I think in terms of the game, on Sunday, um, it does come down to exactly what Shaq said, pride. Um, you know how much the PSV want to to beat Ajax. I think Koki said that you know it's kind of last opportunity for them to, to salvage something from the season. You know, win against Ajax and you know, the trophies that they've had in the past years. But if they lose this game, you know the calls for you know, I've even seen calls this week for Koki to step down, and um, they'll only increase if. You know, they lose this game on Sunday, so there's a lot for them to play for. Is pride. It's the last chance to even try and uh, close the gap to Ajax in second. And even you know their better rivals ruining their title chances as well. You know, a lot of players will want to do that. You know, there's some with the young stuff like that, and they want to to salvage them from the season and show that they've had poor campaign. But you know, going to next year, they're going to be a force again and. Gets Ajax, they're going to be tired. You know, Klaassen said that Nick Behaver, he can barely walk after the game. And there's going to be a few players that I think Bosch might be tempted to make a few changes to starting living. You know, the team that he puts out. And it's going to be fresh. I think Dolberg will start. Traore. Yeah, it's might come in from the start. And if it's weekend or not it's fit, it's 100%. And I think PSV will take advantage. I think they're going into the game heavy favourites on Sunday for me. Um, I think the game on Sunday is going to come down to mentality. I said that in my predictions this week. I think that PSV's want to show some pride isn't going to come through. I don't think 
many of the players are all that bothered. They'll be professional, but with my players looking at moves abroad in, in the summer, I, I can't see them having the, the will to want to win this game. And it will, it will show, I think Ajax will take the three points. I think, yeah, the, 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 the will for a title win is, is strong with the visitors, and I, I think that will make the difference. Yeah, uh, more on what Mike said about players looking abroad. Uh, I think we've all seen the Santiago Arias quote saying that his agent is looking at moves in Spain, England and Germany. And that that's something very weird for him to say because he hasn't had a good season. I think uh, him and Brennan have been scrapping for that right back role for most of the season. Even if he leaves, you know, there's Brennan to step in. And um, he, it was, I, th- I thought it was very unprofessional to sort of be, be talking about a move having not played well and as a team and as a player personally um, before the end of the season. Um, there's, we've said this, there's a lot of players that need to be shed in that team, especially in regards to the contract that on. And there's a lot of players to be brought in. I think uh, it's with Ajax, the game, because Ajax can play at a, a higher intensity than PSV. Uh, they're more knowledgeable of what they are as a team and what they like to do. And um, PSV sort of like to fiddle with the ball with, and with their back four. Ajax like to press the ball high. So that really plays into Ajax's favour. And... PSV like to rely on Guardado too much and to sort of be a creative force for them. And if they can't, if Pereiro, if um, Proper, Locadia or Beyond can't really create for themselves in, in the final third, then that will play right into Axis' game, uh, winning the ball, winning the ball and sort of start, starting play from the back. Um, Buzz said that he would have liked this match to be on Monday. Koku agreed with him in his press conference. Uh, but it's on Sunday and there's nothing much they can do about it. I, there's, um, he, he's, uh, Buzz also said that you know recuperating for, from a 90-minute game on a Thursday to a Sunday is hard enough, but 120 minutes is going to be incredibly tough. But I think... Uh, there will be a few changes in the team, and I think that will be enough to get past PSV. And let's also not forget that in these games, the away team has won the game for the last two or three years. So I expect uh, Ajax to take the win on on Sunday, mostly also because they need them more. Just to uh, elaborate on uh, Shaka's points regarding Sergio Arias, um, I admit he hasn't played well, but uh, he has also been at PSV since 2013, having won two uh, Eredivisie titles. I think for him it's more a question of just coming to an end of a natural cycle of how long a player, especially from Colombia, would, uh, would look to spend in the Netherlands. Uh, also, uh, as regards to any potential changes of the kickoff time, uh, when the fixture list is released here in the Netherlands, the games are ratified quite quickly in uh, conferring with the police and the general councils of the cities. And also the television um, company, in this case Fox Sports, they have a lot of subscribers and they have openly stated that they always look to have one of Ajax finals or PSV playing in the late game on a Sunday. And they always look to have that... Um, to have that um, in terms of an approach. And um, I'm not surprised that the game wasn't moved because it's, it's, uh, there's been precedents in the past where uh, I think uh, um, I said when they were knocked out by Benfica in a quarter-final and uh, PSV also against Benfica many years ago had to play games in quick succession. So that has been um, that has been done before. I also think that Ajax will win in Eindhoven. I think um, I think they know, especially with final trip to, uh, trip to Arnhem, that it's going to be key to to get a win, come hook or crook. And um, 
I can see him winning the game uh, by three goals to one, is my prediction. So let's not forget um, as well the, the final match, or the test. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that Parma might slip up in that one? Um, I run the risk of um, um, giving the impression to a lot of Feyenoord fans that I might be anti-Feyenoord. I can assure them I'm not. I'm not. But I uh, I looked at the fixture list and looked how Feyenoord performed away from home. And when you look at the games against uh, Swalla and um, and other away games, they've they've and Sparta Rotterdam as well. And, uh, Sparta was so motivated for that match, um, conceding early goals and not managing to get over the line. Um, I'm also maybe I might be in the minority, but nobody seems to be talking about Excelsior against Feyenoord, uh, and that being Valdestein and that um, Excelsior also fighting for their lives. I think it's going to be a draw on uh, on Sunday. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that Vitesse will look ahead to the Dutch Cup final and not pick a strong side. Um, I disagree. This is their last home match before the Cup final. They're going to the Cup final for the first time in 27 years and they will want to give their home supporters uh, the impression that they're, that, they, that they're in form, that they're ready, that they want to win. I can't see them just rolling over. Uh, to Feyenoord and my prediction for the game of Vitesse against Feyenoord will be um, will be 1-1 Yeah I agree with, with James um, it's going to be a tough test for Feyenoord this weekend and the way game against Excelsior the week after is going to be or two weeks after is going to be even even tougher I think the lost against Sparta in the derby match I think Excelsior will be fired up for that one but um Big ball for Vitesse is Van Wolfrinkel's band for the match. Um, that means that the young Chinese striker Zhang, he gets a chance and he's always looked a bit dangerous when he's been able to play for Vitesse and I think you know, he'll cause Otaheen and Van der Heiden some problems on Sunday and I agree, I can see this match actually coming in a draw. I think Vitesse has been playing not too badly recently and I think they can hold Bayernard who have been on the verge of slipping up the past few weeks. And uh, I think nerves will start to, to jangle. If they do get a draw, they'll be open and praying that PSV can you know, get them a win later on on Sunday. Um, I think the next two matches, the final win and both, you know, they're worthy title winners. They've got two away games now. And those two are title contenders. They've won it. Um, but these are the last two tests for them. And we'll see how they come for it. Yeah, I'm not so sure because I looked at the fixture list and I did initially think, yeah, the test away is going to be an extremely tough match for Feyenoord. But it's that I'm um, I, on the opposite side of the coin where I think that the cup final will be in their minds. And they want to do well for the fans, of course, but you saw against Excelsior that the form that they had going into that match, it, it just didn't re- re- reappear. And I've also said it wasn't good enough. But why wasn't it good enough? The players weren't putting in 100% effort. That wasn't because you know the match itself. Perhaps the season's dwindling a little bit. They're not. They're probably going to finish fifth. But players weren't putting 100% into tackles. There wasn't determination there. And I just think that playing against final, it's going to be. There needs to be a whole level above, and they're just not going to be able to reach that um, for for a game. If if it depended on them getting you know into fourth place, if they didn't have that cup final, which maybe in the back of their minds, and they would have been a lot tougher opposition as well. With Van Bolsvinkel, that's another factor. Um, I'm just not so sure. I think final would be a lot more determined and we'll want to win that match. And looking ahead to Excelsior, this is the last game of the season and final need to win. I can't see him slipping up. And I think Excelsior, by that point, will be safe. If they're, they're 16th, it could be a different story and Excelsior will fight, especially because it's a derby. But let's see what happens. What could happen is it could be a situation where Excelsior are safe Final just need to win that match to win the league, and Excelsior think, hmm, well, no, we've got this rivalry. Let's make it deeper. Let's let's really you know the crowd are behind them for that one. But we'll see. Um, myself, I think it's going to be Final's title this season. I think it depends mainly on what Fraser says to his players going into this match. If he decides to make a few changes and says, look, you know, tough finals next week. If you want to impress me, go out there and you know, do it against the league leaders and 
I might come into play and it's also the saying that confidence beats confidence and they want to go into the cup final on the back of a, a good result and not getting hammered off off Feyenoord so I think Fraser's team talk and team selection will play a big part into those fringe players that might not be you know starting 11 against AZ in the cup final might get a chance against Feyenoord and if they take it then they might come into view for the, the final. Also, the Excelsior final matches the penultimate game of the season. One and the last, the last match of the season is final at home to... Heracles? Um, to Heracles. Heracles. Uh, Excelsior Rotterdam may well be safe by that time. Um, Michael, you may be completely correct. I never doubted that they would go, much to uh, being in a minority that people thought they would go. I think, um, I think Excelsior will be fine. And uh, it's testament to the manager. Uh, they always seem to manage, but I think uh, in this in this in this season, uh, they have a good manager in Mitchell van der Gaag, who has experience in Portugal, done extremely well with limited resources at FC Eindhoven as well. And uh, I think that's um, I think that's deserved on their part. But it will be interesting, and uh, just. Um, have to take one week at a time, of course, and uh, I think this uh, this weekend will be decisive. Looking at a couple of the other fixtures, then, so Excelsior playing uh, NEC this weekend. Uh, what are we thinking for this game? Is this going to be? It's a big game for both sides. Excelsior need the points to make sure they're safe, um, but NEC they're in massive trouble, and it's gone from bad to worse for this season. The whole second half of the season is full of defeats. Um, and it's only getting worse at a crucial time for them. What do you three think? I can see... Sorry. I was going to say, I think um, NSA being at home, you know, this is one of the last games they've got to save themselves, I think, and if the players don't show something in this game and go there and try and win it, then I think they're doomed and they're going to be in the relegation playoff places for certain. Um, Excelsior are going to be tough, as James says, they always seem to lift the game towards the end of the season when they're fighting for their life. You know, NAC have got the players to play well, you know, they've got Grow up front, they've got Cadioglu in the midfield. I think he's clearly young, 17-18, but he's still really need to rally and uh, lead their team out on this one because uh, this is, I think, their last chance to, to save their season. Yeah, uh, uh, you can go, James. Thank you. Um, I uh, I agree with uh, Mike. I think uh, I can see Excelsior um, winning. There are reports. Um, there were reports in the media after their game against uh, FC Twente last weekend that when they arrived back in Nijmegen, uh, supporters of uh, NSA were waiting for them at the club and uh, to vent their fury and to vent their frustration. Upon which uh, Hibala had to make a speech to uh, extremely disgruntled supporters. Um, I can see. Especially with the the remaining games that uh, NSA and AMA can have, I can see them finish finishing in the relegation playoffs along with Sparta Rotterdam. And uh, depending on who they play from the UPL League in the relegation playoffs, I wouldn't be so sure that we'll see NSA and AMA in the uh, in the Eredivisie next season. Yeah, to build on James's point. Um... NEC had a lot of lone players last season. They had Wildenberg and Todd Kane as fullbacks, and they both went back. But you know, with players like Four and Santos, they were they were picked apart. And if they go down, all these you know nice young players that they have, they're going to be picked apart again. And if they get picked apart again, you don't see them coming back up, which makes this game more important. And Kadioglu has been the one speaking and he's been the one that on the pitch has really um, ins- looked inspired from all, of, uh, from all of these players and he's only 17 which makes it all the more amazing and uh, NEC going down will be very problematic because they look to sign a lot of players in January like Jordan Larson and um, players of that ilk um, so, uh, I I didn't have them pegged to go down a few weeks ago. I didn't also didn't have Sparta pegged to go down a, a few weeks ago. But I was wrong on that because their form nosedived, has nosedived. 
and um, you know I think Excelsior when has worse has uh, come to worse and when they've really had their backs against the wall they've they've scraped and clawed and um, they made the the better moves in January. I mean, Yodi Devai, um, who has been an inspired loan, bringing him from PSV Eindhoven, and uh, you know, you would you would expect them as the two teams to go against each other. You expect uh, Excelsior to scratch and claw, but you know, NEC have to do something in front of their home fans. So. Um, I would, I think I would go for a, a score draw between the the two because I don't think NEC have the bottle it takes to win in these circumstances and um, I think Excelsior are going to go to NEC and they're going to really fight for something on the day. Um, I just wanted to make one final point on NSA. Um, it was only two short years ago. The NSA were promoted to the Eredivisie with 101 uh, points, a goal difference of 68, and they were really looking as if they had something really special to offer. Um, obviously, the, the fantastic work that Ernest Farber did last season, coupled with uh, uh, Christian Santos and also uh, Todd Kane had a good season before his injury at NSA. It's, it's a shame that all their hard work has been undone. It's a real shame because they looked really promising last season. They, I remember being at the game in Amsterdam where they drew 2-2 with Ajax and they fought two for nail with Ajax. They didn't just sit back, they wasn't lucky. They um, they really fought for their point I and mean, it was fully deserved. And um, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a big shame on, uh, on their part. Don't need to mention Verve um, Venlo will be back in the next season. They secured a promotion last weekend. They can secure a title um, on Friday night in Eindhoven. Um, they've not been the best side in the Dutch second division this year by by far. If you don't count in the Ajax second string and the PSV second string, and uh, they feel they deserve to come back up. And I'm looking forward to seeing them next season. I've got a few exciting young players. I've mentioned uh, Vio van Croy before. Um, I'm surprised he is not already in Eredivisie Cup. I'm surprised somebody didn't pick him up last year. But he stayed there. He's a Dutch under 21 international. And I think um, well, it's a cup that should be in the Eredivisie. It's a cup that's built for the Eredivisie. And it's good to have him back next year. Yeah, um, another player I would like to mention is Clint Lehmans, former captain of the PSV under 21, still only 21. I think will turn 22 in September. Um, also surprised that no one picked him up a good young defensive midfielder. Uh, there are not many of those in the Eredivisie. Um, he was re- he's been really brilliant at the youth level uh, against Chelsea in the Premier League International Cup semi-final. He played a, brill- a magnificent long ball to Steven Bovine to score. He scored a free kick uh, in the match where they won. They ended up winning and then missed a penalty a few days later. Uh, he's someone I'd really like to see him uh, test himself in the Eredivisie and see what level he can reach. Uh, and yeah, um, Vito Van Croy, as he mentioned, it was a shock that no club picked him up in the summer. So uh, there will be a very interesting proposition for the Dutch top flight next season. It's good to see Van Croy go back. Um, just a quick point about VVV. Um I heard that they were quite ambitious as well to stay in there at uh, Once they get there, it's going to be financially supported, I've heard. Just to elaborate on the points of VVV, I think uh, I'd also like to champion the manager, Maurice Stein. Um, I thought he was extremely unlucky to lose his job in uh, yeah, with Arda Den Haag a few seasons ago when they even managed to play European football. And he's a very competent manager. And he doesn't he was asked if he, if he feels like uh, any retribution for showing what, what he's really made of to get Benlo back to the top flight. And he kind of rebuffed the question by saying that it was a period at Ardo which didn't work out too well, but you move on and you learn to deal with things. And um, 
I can if he stays at Faith of Fenlo because there have been uh, rumours of uh, from Ipswich Town. Um, if he does stay at Fenlo, um, which he has stated he wants to do, I can see them having a uh, a decent season next year and uh, and staying up without any difficulty. One point I also want to mention from uh, last weekend, um, a huge relief around Dutch football when Vincent Janssen finally scored his first goal from open play for Tottenham. You know, it's probably one of the scrappiest goals he's scored, you know, in, in his life, but you know, it doesn't matter. He's finally broken that duck and you know, maybe some some of the reporters will start weighing off his back. Um, there's only a few games left in the Premier League. This season, in their FA Cup match against Chelsea this weekend, and uh, he gets his chances in the next few games. He can score some goals, and you know, maybe he'll stay in Tottenham next year, or you know, move to another a better club than what he's getting linked to at the moment. Um, but I was really happy to see that he finally netted his first goal, and uh, yeah, I hope he gets a few more before the season's out. Yeah, I think Janssen will want to make sure he's not in this. Mention the same breath as Roberto Soldado because he's another Spurs striker who struggled despite, you know, having obviously some promise. Um, but I think that that kind of goal will help his confidence. I think he'll start to get a few more. And I think then he'll start to get the feeling that he'll want to stay at Spurs as well. And that can only help the national team, of course, as well, if he can perform well for Tottenham. Yep, and uh, speaking of the national team, it seems that the search for a coach goes on. Um, some interesting names linked last weekend. You know, a Hewlett Ten Cat partnership. Um, you know, it seems to be a front runner now, which is uh, quite scary to think of, to be honest. I was um, I was pleased to read that Roger Smith declined uh, overtures from the Dutch FA. Um, in the newspapers here this week, there has been more um, been more information regarding Hewlett and Ten Carter. But also uh, from Oakland stating that they want to have a, um, a new boss in place by the 1st of May because they have uh, upcoming uh, games in, uh, in Morocco and uh, they want to set uh, a decent path for the uh, Luxembourg game in June. Um, I stated before in the pod, I think that the announcement for, of who the new manager will be and when it will be announced will come completely out of the blue. I don't think the, uh, the Dutch FA are... Um, However, they are, are, um, are looking to, uh, to have an awful lot of structure in terms of pleasing the public. I think they're uh, going about the business in their own way and doing what they believe is correct. Um, I, um, I think there's still some way to go before a successor will be named. And uh, I think it's just a case of, um, of waiting to see what will happen, really. Yeah, I agree with that, James. And uh, I hope that... the choice that they make is no one has been mentioned now. The names that have been mentioned now don't really inspire no confidence at the moment, but um, I hope you know, they can maybe have a, a secret up their sleeve and then just one day they announce it out of the blue and you know, we'll all be happy. When I spoke to Eric Peters yesterday, he mentioned that the player's choice and his choice would have been uh, Ronald Koeman, but obviously he's not available. I just wondered if there's anyone else maybe the players would like. Is there any, any managers that are similar to Koeman? That would be suitable. I think. I think now that Schmidt has turned it down, I think the door has opened for Onyans. I think I can see a door. A door has opened for him. The kind that they plan to plan to employ him as a teacher on the official Dutch training course, and so there was already uh, conversations between Onyans and the Dutch FA. I think that now that Schmidt has turned it down, I think um, I think Onyans has half a chance. I stated before in the pod that Koeman is uh, the ideal candidate. Yes, people talk about money this end, and yes, people talk about Koeman being unattainable. But I maintain that if the correct offer is is put forward and it's sold in the right way, then you could very well see Koeman saying yes. I say that because he's made no secret of um, of the fact he wants to manage Barcelona. I don't believe that Barcelona are looking in the direction of Everton. If he was to go to the Dutch national team first and to bring them to where they should be and where they was, that could be the key to him eventually getting his dream job, which is Barcelona. So maybe it's a, a romantic point of view from, from me, but I think that 
for people to, to use the excuse of money being the, the biggest object in terms of prizing Koeman away from Everton or any long-term project that he might be doing, I think that's a little bit too easy. I think if the Dutch FA really, really showed metal, really, really showed fight to get him, I think they would. But whether they will is another matter. Yeah, the only other name I saw linked this week was um, AD came out with an article suggesting that Dick Advocate was not the only sane choice for the, the KMBB. Um, you know, he's said to leave Fenerbahce at the end of the season. Would he return for you know, an arson charge? You don't know. Um, he's talking about retirement. Um, you know, he already walked out when he was assistant to, to Blend to take the Fenerbahce job. Would he really return? And if it was just him in charge, he's seen the mess that, you know, Blind had at first hand, would he really be tempted to come back and try and sort it out? Just wanted to make one final point about the interview with uh, Eduard de Blunt. It went extremely well. Uh, to give a small preview on it, this is a man that also played for with a World Cup winner, Diomed, at uh, Clermont Foot. He was extremely proud to, um, to have played for Sparta Rotterdam. He was uh, his face lit up when he was telling me all about his time there, and also he's extremely grateful to FC Utrecht for the uh, for the for what the club did for him in his development. I'm still waiting on the uh, approval of the translation from the press officer of Ardo, so I just have to be a little bit patient. But fingers crossed that the article will be up on the site uh, quite soon. Great, thank you. Yeah.